Hello everyone and welcome to episode 2 of the Through the Gears podcast. I am your host Anthony Bruno and over the past weekend we got to saw see some incredible NASCAR Cup Series action as well as Formula 1 testing and let's start off in America with the NASCAR Cup Series and their final weekend ever at the two mile layout, layout of Auto Club Speedway. Moving forward, there is talk of a short track configuration. However, nothing has been set in stone. But what we do know is that there was a sale of a large portion of the land that currently occupies the two-mile layout. And that was sold by NASCAR for about $500 million. So... Whether or not the short track does come, we have officially seen the last of the action on the two-mile Auto Club Speedway. And we'll start with, which is unusual, the first race of the weekend, which was the Cup Series Palacasino 400. Now, the Saturday Xfinity Series race was rain and snowed out as Very interesting weather hit the Fontana, California area and causing the Xfinity Series race to be pushed to Sunday evening following the Cup Series race. So, the Cup Series race was a very action-packed and very busy but not chaotic race at Auto Club and you definitely got to see the combination of the age of the pavement of Auto Club which has opened up many different lines along with the Gen 7 prowess on intermediate um, tracks and it just created some great multi-lane racing you had about Four or five different lanes that drivers could could choose from. If you got sent to the back, moving through the front, if you had a good car, was relatively easy. There was no issues making passes, and it was incredible. There was long green flag runs, lots of passing being done, like I said. And that ability to get through the field was key for this race's race winner. Kyle Busch gets his first win for Richard Childress Racing. In a seemingly dominant performance, even though the lap's lead doesn't really match that to an extent. He had a fast car all day long. And despite having a speeding penalty in an earlier portion of the race, he was able to come through and make it through the field with relative ease. There's almost no issue for him to get back up through the field. And it was... A great sign for Richard Childress Racing moving forward. And as I saw a couple um, mentions and in, in tweets and comments throughout social media, some people were saying Austin Dillon's a genius for recruiting Kyle Busch to RCR. And you can definitely see probably the signs of a KFB redemption arc. And I think he feels that... 
he has a lot to prove. And he feels that RCR is a team to help him do that. Along with Kyle Busch's great win, there are a lot of other really strong, really dominant and um, eye-catching performances out there on the racetrack on the Sunday. Firstly, we'll start with Chase Elliott. Great bounce back, finishing second in the race, and being able to get that bounce back from his early takeout at Daytona, not being able to score some good points at Daytona, and he was able to make up for it big time at Auto Club with a second place finish. Another one, Ross Chastain, someone you could have really said probably should have won this race, or probably could have won this race. Really quick car from the Trackhouse team. And really, if it wasn't for Kyle Busch's overwhelming pace, seeing Ross Chastain shake that checker flag was something that definitely could have happened. Another one, Brad Keselowski. Top 10 finish, 7th place for him. And showing another another layer and another step forward for RFK. Keselowski and Briscoe, no, Kraus, Keselowski and Bush are sorry, were within the top 10, top 15 for most of the race. And while when that um, car did start to fall away a little bit towards the end, it was still a strong package that um, RFK had and was able to give these guys over the course of the weekend, well, over the course of the race, I should say, to be able to get two good finishes for them, a 7th, like I said, for Brad Kozlowski, and a 13th for Chris Buescher. Another one is Ricky Stenhouse Jr., a guy who's known as more of a super speedway expert coming out with a good top 15 finish on an intermediate track a 12th place finish for JTG and and I think this shows that this might be a little bit of a different season for Ricky Stenhouse and he might be able to further build off of the momentum from his Daytona 500 win Another good run for Harrison Burton. Top 15 finish for him. After a somewhat lackluster, you could say, rookie season for Harrison Burton. A nice top 15 finish, especially after Daytona, is something that he needs to help build his confidence. And lastly, Ty Gibbs. Top top 20 finish for him, just outside the top 15 in 16th place. Rather consistent always, didn't really fall too far back or get too close up front. He just kind of hovered around the top 15, top 20 all race long. Kept his nose clean, kept the car pointing straight forward. And it's a good consistent run for him. Now we look at some of the more unfortunate runs in this race. Start with one that basically got hampered early. Kyle Larson 
suffered an electrical problem early in the race and basically took him out of contention. Which is unfortunate considering the fact that I did see on Twitter that if you were to look at some of the lap times within the last 30 laps of the race, Kyle Larson was either on pace or faster than Kyle Busch over the course of this race. And even though he was about 16, 15, 16 laps down, that car was still a problem. And it shows that if it wasn't for that electrical issue, which we didn't really ever find out, looked like it could have been a coil pack or ignition wire, ignition system fault for sure. Um, being able to, finding out exactly what it was, we weren't really told, but could have been possibly a a coil pack or ignition pack problem with the five car. But it's unfortunate that he wasn't able to show off his pace in a fight for the win. Now, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddit, AJ Allmendinger. I'm putting all three of these guys here together. All three of them were running pretty well to, um, early on and then got caught up in a big wreck on one of the restarts. Guess the middle of the pack started to go before the control car in Joey Logano went. And it seemed like Logano basically waited right up until the end of the restart zone to go. And the guys in the back were trying to anticipate it. Some jumped early. People checked up. Massive accordion crash took out about 10 cars. Or 10 cars were about about 10 cars were involved in there. And Bell, Reddick, and Almendinger caught the worst of it. And it's unfortunate because they looked relatively quick up until the point of the incident. And um, hopefully they'll be able to bounce back in the continuation of the West Coast Swing when we head on to Las Vegas. Another one, bit of an unfortunate spell, Bubba Wallace. He had shown some pace early on, fell off a little bit towards the middle and later part of the race. However, did suffer from did suffer some engine issues around the final set of green flag pit stops, basically taking him out of contention of any good kind of finish in this race, and that's a bit unfortunate. And it's back-to-back... Um, rough-ish weeks for 2311. I mean, they did have guys up towards the front at the end of the 500, but all those guys were taken out in a massive incident, basically, which ended the race. So hopefully 2311, those guys can get a better, have some better luck moving into Sin City, into Las Vegas. And then finally, we're looking at Team Penske. And while Blaney and Logano looked good early, um, Logano fell off towards the end of the race, still managed to get a top 10 finish, which is good. But then you had Ryan Blaney and Austin Sidrick both caught up in that restart wreck that basically took him out of the race. And so hopefully the Penske guys have been showing some great run of form the first two races. And hopefully they can kind of continue that. Incidences withstanding moving into Las Vegas and Phoenix. Now we move on to the second race of the day. The Xfinity Series. 
not going to be saying that too often, to be honest. But the production alliance, production alliance group three hundred, and it was another great and action-packed race, and it is a, and it was probably the best final send-off that you could get from this raceway from Auto Club Speedway, and the winner of this one goes to the man that just missed out in Daytona last week, John Hunter Nemechek. And Nemechek's car seemed like it was on rails for the most part. Did fall off a little bit as the sun started to set, but some adjustments did help make that car and some great um some uh great strategy as well. Adjustments and strategy were able to make that car bring that car back up to it's um, evening time pace before the sun went down. And they were able to push up through the field, get to the lead, and drive off and take it home. And another big thing here in this race was the rebound of Junior Motorsports. In Daytona, they basically had three cars in contention to win. And then one spun, one got spun by his teammate. The other one ran out of gas, and then just kind of fell apart from there. And they had three cars in the top five in Sam Mayer, Justin Allgaier, and Josh Berry in this race. Brandon Jones had a quick car as well, but he was caught up in an incident, spun across the grass, damaged his splitter. Um, wasn't really able to kind of make any good recovery drive from that with the damage splitter especially but it was a good rebound for junior motorsports three cars in the top five for them some other good runs we had riley herbst in seventh place consistent run for him wasn't particular wasn't too quick but kept himself out of trouble and kept himself in the running for a good finish all race long Parker Kligerman rounding out the top 10 in 10th place. Um, kind of a bit of a comer and goer throughout the race. Would storm up through the field and then as the weather and the situation of the track changed as the sun was going down, things were cooling down a bit more. Car fell off a little bit and then he had to come back through the field. But a good 10th place finish for Parker Kligerman. Brett Moffitt in 9th. A great finish for him and that team. Joe Graff Jr. in his first race for uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. An 11th place finish. Top 15 for him is great. And Kaz Grawla. Another great uh, great run for him finishing in 13th. And some unfortunate runs over the course of this race. Cole Custer. Probably one of the fastest if not the fastest car in the field. But suffered some damage after making contact with the wall and then having um, Austin Dillon run into the back of him. And that kind of took him out of contention. Um, Sheldon Creed, who had an amazing save early on within stage one, I believe it was. And was strong for most of the day. Fell off pretty hard towards the end. And... Unfortunately, ended up finishing 23rd. He had a strong car all throughout the weekend, and then 
just fell off as the sun went down and wasn't able to ever make the adjustments needed to kind of keep himself up in the top 10, top 15. And then the final one, final two, I should say, Sammy Smith is in contention for the win, but got spun out on the back straight away, leading to one of the last cautions of the race, or the last caution of the race, I'd say. And then, as I mentioned before, Brandon Jones being the only uh, JRM car to finish outside the top five, and having getting spun and damaged the splitter, wasn't ever really able to kind of climb out of that. And unfortunately, you saw him finish a, a lowly 33rd. So that's it for the NASCAR portion. Now we move on across the pond heading east to Formula One. More specifically, Bahrain. And with preseason testing over the course of the weekend wasn't really something you could say gave too many inklings as to how the the running order but there are some very clear things that did show up in preseason testing that kind of makes you stand out and the two of those that have kind of circulated the paddock and the airwaves is Aston Martin may actually be on to something this season. And there's a lot of pundits and analysts that are saying they'll definitely be up there this season. But we don't know exactly the true... Um, sense of their pace until we get into the Bahrain Grand Prix weekend. Mercedes's true pace is kind of unknown because they had a strong first day. However, their second day was marred with some unreliability and some issues. And a total the team ran only a total of about 98 laps on day two. Um... That's one that's one thing. But the other big, big thing is that McLaren are in trouble. McLaren are in trouble. And there seems to be a great sense of frustration in the McLaren camp. And they seem to have missed it yet again. And this will be the second season in a row where they're going to come into Bahrain seemingly very far behind the eight ball um there are some pundits that are um some pundits and one of them specifically being Lawrence Barreto writer for for uh, Formula One his kind of pace chart and of where each team would be in terms of speed he has McLaren 10th behind Williams so this could be really bad for the papayas. Really bad. I think that some people are saying it's karma for how the Daniel Ricardo situation was handled. Some people are saying that 
McLaren have just straight missed the mark, and they might drive away Lando Norris with this. But if they're off again this year going into Bahrain, I think this season might be a season where even if they make um, uh, updates and update and updates and kind of recover that way, I think they may be too far behind the eight ball where fourth, fifth, sixth in the constructors may kind of be out of reach. Possibly. Who knows? And I think the last big note from preseason testing is that Red Bull might be faster than last year. And if you remember, up until maybe the last third of the season, on paper, the Ferrari was still a faster car than the Red Bull by about a tenth of a second. According to kind of different metrics that they were showing. And so if they have been able to kind of flip that script, especially with how Verstappen was driving, we may see another blowout on our hands. Maybe. But, again, you can't put much behind testing. Preseason testing, while it's an initial barometer, you can't really put too much behind it. And so, going into the Bahrain Grand Prix, there's been a lot of pecking orders being thrown around. And it seems like the general consensus, barring some exceptions here and there, is that this is what the pecking order will could most likely be like for this coming weekend in Bahrain. Red Bull on top, followed by Ferrari, Mercedes and Aston Martin in three and four, but we don't know if Aston will be three or Mercedes will be three. Those two will bat will most likely be battling out for the third fastest car. Alpine, Alfa Romeo, and Haas. Those ones, again, are interchangeable. Alpine, I think, is solidified themselves as fifth, fifth. Then you have Alpha and Haas kind of fighting over sixth. And seventh, McLaren, Alpha Tauri, Williams. So that's the general consensus. How the distance between each team is unknown at this point so we don't know how much time is being lost between the top and the bottom of the grid so lastly the last series we'll be covering in today's episode indycar and with the grand prix of st petersburg coming this coming weekend let's take a look at some of the changes into the driver landscape and the driver lineups we have a bunch of teams that have made no changes including rahal lenneman lanigan ed carpenter Maya Shank and Team Penske. All those teams have not really made any changes. You have Junkos Hollinger Racing, who has brought in a second car and gotten Argentinian Augustin Canapino to drive it. Canapino is a more of a sports car driver and doesn't really have much open wheel experience. And so, so this will be a very much a learning season for him. Couple that with uh, alongside second-year man Callum Eilat, and 
This is going to be another kind of development year for Junko's Hollinger. Then you have the likes of Chip Ganassi Racing, who replaced an outgoing Jimmy Johnson with Marcus Armstrong from F2 for road courses and street circuits, and having bringing in Takuma Sato from Dale Coyne Racing to handle the ovals. With Dale Coyne now losing Takuma Sato, they bring up Stingray Rob from Indy NXT to fill that seat, and he'll be one of the rookies on the grid. David Malukas is kept, and he looks to build off of a very strong rookie campaign. Then you have Andretti, who have picked up Kyle Kirkwood from AJ Foyt Racing for departing Alexander Rossi. Rossi heads over to McLaren for their third car that they will be adding this year, and AJ Foyt Racing will be bringing in Santino Ferrucci and Benjamin Pedersen as their new driver lineups, and Dalton Kellett is no longer a driver for them. So, just... These driver changes are going to create a bit of a different feel and look to the grid this year. And while you'll still have your typical championship favorites especially looking at the likes of Chip Ganassi and Penske they think there will be some interesting drivers appearing and emerging and interesting teams appearing and emerging throughout the course of the season especially when you're looking at races like Texas, the Indy 500 and other oval races that they will have throughout the course of the season so that concludes the second episode of the through the gears podcast my name is anthony bruno thank you so much for watching and i'll catch you guys next time